hello, good morning uh, to those in Morgantown. You are tuned in and listening to WWVU FM Morgantown 91.7. I am your host, Tristan Rodriguez, and alongside here, my co-host, uh, Max Clark. We are here for the Cinematic Odyssey, a brand new film podcast that I've been wanting to get started for a couple years now here at the station. I'm glad that it's finally happening. Um... Yeah, we're just going to be throughout the next well, remainder of the semester and next semester, and hopefully even after I graduate, we can continue this while you're still here at the school. Um, we'll get to there when we do. But uh, yeah, we're just going to be talking about movies pretty much on here, different themes, uh, you know, diving into you know the themes of films. Uh, as you mentioned before we just got on, you talked about, uh, what was it? Um, you're talking about Chekhov's gun? Yeah, so like kind of... What what would you call that? Like an like a dramatic idea? Would you yeah, that's say? A, it's a dramatic strategy, is what I would call it. Okay, okay. So we'll be talking about stuff like that, um, and just basically cinema in general. Um, but this week, what we're going to be talking about, we're going to be talking about a, f- a French film by the name of La Anne or La N. Uh, if you see it, you might think, oh, La Haine, which is what I first called it initially when I first heard about it. But that is not what it's called. It's called La Anne. It's a French film directed by Matthew Kosovitz. It's his masterpiece, magnum opus, and a overall just tour de force of ultimate style. And I would say also just political commentary uh, of the highest form. I think the film is a masterpiece um, in every sense of the word. Um, but yeah, that's just my opinion. It's one of my all-time favorite. It's in fact my favorite film of all time. But uh, you know, I want to hear what you your initial impressions on the film, Max, and then we can get into the deeper discussion of it. Certainly. Well, I mean, knowing that it was uh, one of your favorite all-time films or your favorite all-time film, I'm going in with you know, it's going to blow me away. And I, I got to say, it was not what I expected. It was, it's a film that's shot entirely in black and white, yes. mostly found uh, some found footage over the opening credit scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, just for those who uh, do not speak French in the Morgantown area, La N translates to hate. hate. Yes. So the yes. movie's called Hate. And um, it follows 20 hours in the lives of three uh, French young French immigrants who live in sort of, I guess, the lower-class neighborhoods in France. And it is... It feels much more like a documentary than it does a film. There's a narrative that it follows, but it's the fact that it's got consecutive time and it's there's no uh, break in the unity of time that it, it, it kind of keeps going. It just feels like another day in the life, which is interesting, especially considering uh, it's set around riots and police brutality yep. and a lot of really, really intense subjects. So it doesn't really let you go. You're never really unstressed during the entire the entirety of the film. Yeah. Um, yeah, the film is, like I mentioned earlier, it's a... A very politically charged film. There's a lot of social commentary throughout the. I mean, that's basically what it is. Um, to me, the like the time because throughout the film there are moments, there are shots of the clock or time 
um, shown throughout the film, just kind of emphasizing this fact that these kids are, they're not doing anything in the film. They're just kind of wandering Paris aimlessly. Yeah. Till the end of the day, there isn't, there isn't much interesting that happens. I mean, apart from a few interactions that they have with some of the people that they meet, like Saeed when he goes into the apartment to get his money, mm-hmm. that whole interaction, or the hospital, yep. and they go to see Abdel, uh, who is the man or the guy that was killed under the... Uh, he was killed within police custody. He was beat to death uh, by policemen, and so that, that was kind of why the riots in Paris in 1995... That's when this film was made, or released, I should say. Uh, that was kind of the sparking point, or moment, yeah, uh, as to why this film was made. But the, I think the, that kind of aspect of it, where, like you mentioned, it's more like a documentary, like cinema verite, in a way, where y- there isn't much happening. You're kind of just watching, you're observing their life. Right, this kind of plotless, um, and the only plot device I guess you could point to is the weapon that Vince finds or gets, I should say, and that kind of leads them on this journey to Paris. And violence is also like a very big theme uh, that surrounds the film. Yes, and the the relationship of violence with hate, uh, particularly with minorities and the police. And they clash throughout the the entire film, Certainly. and I think the the commentary within that is brilliant. Um, with the analyzation or analysis, I should say, of the socioeconomic conditions that the the the, the three the three guys are living in, um, there are different ethnic backgrounds because one of them is black, one of them is an Arab, and one of them is a Jew. So all so all minorities um outside of the you know the white populace of of Paris France and they live in a impoverished projects outside of on the outskirts of Paris and so they have to deal with this existence of being oppressed um by not only the police but economically too because they don't have you can see throughout the film Majority, if not all, of the characters within the projects, essentially, they're kind of left out to dust. They're not um, uh, cared for, I guess you could say. Um, and that leads to this violence. That leads to this this sense of um, wandering, a nom- nomadic kind of uh, thing that's going on here. Yeah, Um there's one interaction that I can point to really, really specifically is uh, the three guys, they're tracking de- trying to track down a guy who's got Saeed, uh, who is one of the three, uh, his money. He is owed 100 bucks, and so they're trying to track down the guy. They don't know his real name, so they fi- end up finding his apartment complex, mm-hmm. but they ask directions. Saeed asks a policeman directions, yep. and this is in an affluent neighborhood. This is in a you know, pretty fancy place. And he asks for directions. He comes back to his friends, and he says, the policemen are so polite here. Yes, yep. Which implies uh, there's a difference in how people are treated depending on where you are. Yeah, yeah. And that, like I said, that go, that points to the 
their minority status, not only ethnically, but also economically. Since they're poor, it's they're kind of pigeonholed in this cycle of poverty. And so the police help with that uh, that continual the continuance of that cycle, and you see that in the film play out like in that sequence there, and when they are in the projects, like when the right police show up and they take they take out the 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 kids that were like surrounding the police because um, Abdel's brother tries to shoot one of the policemen. Right. And yeah, they pull up to him. They they get a they shoot a shotgun at him and they miss. And I I was I was because jo- I was watching this with my girlfriend. I was joking that uh, in America they, he would have been dead. He would have been killed immediately. Um, but they apprehended him. They didn't kill anybody. Uh, so I thought that was interesting little little tidbit there. But um, yeah, that uh, that little moment. And then all the all the dudes come and like. Even surround the, them. Even the breakup of the gathering on the roof. Yeah, that too. The police That's right. get close. They don't sit polite, say, hey, can you guys please go? Mm-hmm. They're up in the faces of everybody up there. It gets very close to a physical confrontation. Yeah, and it's, it's, uh, and it's like this idea of escalation, right? So with the riots and whatnot, because this film's a very, it's very relevant, very relevant, because I watched this uh, in the aftermath of uh, the the death of, or the killing, I should say, the murder of George Floyd. Um, I watched this film, and it was very poignant, and it still is to this day. And the escalation of police when it comes to stuff like protests and whatnot, because like you said in the beginning of the film, the intro credits, it's sh- it's footage of riots in Paris. Um, and when stuff like that happens, you have the police who are... They have two. They have two options. They either de-escalate um, and not do anything about it, or they escalate and they add to the violence, or they increase violence towards the protesters or rioters, and so it gets really messy. It gets really ugly, and so you see that play out, like you mentioned, on the rooftop, uh, the the shooting there, um, and at the very end. Yes. At the very end of the film. Certainly. Um, which was extremely shocking when I saw it for the first time. I'm sure you were. I was. Um, May I? Yeah, go ahead. The ending of the film, you're presented, it's 6 o'clock in the morning. These guys have been awake for 20 hours, about, and it gives a sense of resolution. You're like, okay, they're going back to their apartments. They're just going to go home. They're going to have a nice evening. And then as... The guys are walking away. In the distance, there's a confrontation mm-hmm. at the car. Yep. Which results in the accidental killing of Vince. Vince, one of the three. Yeah. The person who had the gun, who's had a sketchy relationship with violence throughout the entire film. Yes. Um, <laughs> and then it brings basically one of the friends, Hubert, who is against the use of you know Violence. deadly force yeah. especially against the police yeah to basically hold a gun to this uh this police officer's head yeah. after yeah. having killed uh his friend his friend accidentally might might we add yes. cuz yeah yes. cuz in the in the scene in sequence he ha- well he has his gun brazenly like pointed at Vince's head right. which is like you shouldn't even be doing to begin with 
right? And then he slips, his finger slips and pulls the trigger. Yeah. And then it kills him. Uh which is yeah, I was like, what the I was so shocked. I was my mouth was wide open when I first saw that. Yeah. Um caught me completely by surprise. Yes. But if again, the, violence is something that's touched on. You you kind of are bracing for it the entire film. And it somewhat yeah. feels like it's never going to come. Early in the movie, at least I think it's like the first four scene transitions all happen with a loud bang mm-hmm. transitioning into the film. Whenever you're changing location, there's a bang. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it kind of gets you used to the the gunshots and it comes back later in the film like if it's early morning i think it's after midnight or something we hear bang and then the scene changes right you're getting used to that kind of gunshot sound you're getting desensitized to it you're not as frightened yeah the last time as such as they it. yeah as such as the characters in the film who bear vins and saeed they are used to that and they yeah, it's it's that's actually that's a good that's a good observation. I never really thought about that, like the sound the sound aspect of the editing. Um, but I think it disappears when they leave the projects, right? Because when they go on the train, they go to Paris. That that like motif goes away. That's correct. Um, and it's just like another kind of pointer to the difference from where they are from. To where they are going, to where where it's much nicer, you could say. Where some some characters in the film call them like, there's when they go to the art gallery and right. they like cause a ruckus there, and the the guy running it is like the malaise the malaise of the ghetto, right? Um, just very overtly kind of racist uh, gesture there, um, but you know it's. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. Cause you know when I when I my first time watching it, I was extremely tense the moment after Vince uh, showed that he had the gun and when he kept it on him, especially when they went into the hospital immediately after, uh, with their confrontation with the police officer there, uh, where where it got really heated. Um, I was really like anxious. I was worried that he was going to use the gun, and then they went into the police um, uh, they station. Get yeah, Saeed so I, gets arrested yeah. at the hospital. Yeah. They're trying to see their friend Abdel, who was beaten into police custody, into a coma. Mm-hmm. They're trying to see him. The police are not letting someone, anyone see him. Um, and so Saeed gets arrested yes. for trying to break through. Vince, fo- Vince and Hubert follow them him to the police station, and they, Vince still has this gun on him. Yeah, well, they uh, they get a ride from one of Saeed's like, friends, I guess, or like family friend. Who is a police officer, and so you see this dichotomy, right, of this idea where good cops and bad cops, and you have you're presented with this police officer who is clearly a good guy, a good man. However, within the confines of law enforcement, there are things that you kind of have to sacrifice some of your good qualities because of the culture of of law enforcement and whatnot. Um, and then there's another, there's another cop also that is like presented as good when they get interrogated, when, uh, Saeed and Hubert get like tortured essentially mm-hmm. in, in under police custody. But, um, yeah, so they drive, they drive to the police station and I love this sequence 
when they're in the station, it's very quiet. All you hear is like the the noise of the station. You got like phone calls. You hear people talking. Uh, you hear like typewriters clicking and stuff like that. Just a bunch of like noises. And in the shot, it's uh it's kind of like a it's it's a stationary shot, but the camera moves in three hundred and sixty degrees. So you see the faces of of Vince and Hubert. And then it pans over uh, in front of them. What they're looking at is the ruined station. And there's a few cops, like, staring at them back. Um, it's a very tense moment in the film. Yeah. And you can sense the the uncomfortability of Vince and Hubert. You can sense that they are being, in a sense, well, obviously watched. But also, in a sense, like, judged. Silently judged for their presence of, of them being there. Uh, and they're judging back, right at the police officers in, in the building, um, and it's like a, it's a very poignant moment, and I think it it beautifully showcases the the relationship that they have with the police and vice versa. Yeah. Um, so. And I think there's a more there's a really strong correlation between violence and the three vins hubert and saeed especially vins yes vins's connection with violence is non i guess it's sensationalized it's fictionalized early in the film he's alone in his bathroom and he's quoting uh taxi, taxi driver, driver yeah, taxi in the driver. mirror yep he's he's got this fictional persona of a tough guy mm-hmm. he's putting that on um there's a sequence later in the of the middle of the film where he's at the he's at the movies, yep. And he is he walks into the theater and sees a gunshot, goes to another and it sounds like it's a monster movie and there's a chainsaw, a lot of a blood and guts, yeah, presumably. Probably, yeah, yep. uh, he goes to another one. There's another more gunshots, more machine gun fire. Yeah, he's consistently surrounded by violence. Yes, he's he's got this sort of sensationalized view of what it is and then while having a gun he has a gun a gun in his back pocket essentially for the majority of the film he never fires it never not once he has the opportunity to essentially kill a skinhead not yeah neo-nazi yes that's what that's what the the guys call him they're like the the his hubert is so anti-gun. He's basically trying to say, "Say, hey, just do it." Yeah, he hates, yeah he's he, he hates you. Just yeah, do it. <laughs> yeah, and, he does. Yeah, and Vin's can't. Yeah, because there's a difference between talking about violence, talking about doing something. Because yep. Vin's the entire film has been talking about, oh, if Abdel dies, I'm going to shoot the police a officer. Police officer. Yeah. And we find out later on that Abdel dies. Yes, he does die. And there is a shot that this one surprised me where Vince does shoot a police officer, but it turns out it's just his imagination. Yeah, it was just dreaming. He's got his finger gun up instead, Mm -hmm. which is really really important because that's the one thing that he's been talking about the entire film yeah he's been talking yeah. about this the ent- and, it's the only thing yeah and he still doesn't do it yeah and and uh there was another moment before they went to paris before they got on the train 
when uh, the riot police showed up and they were running away. And then it was that police officer that uh, that separated Saeed, Vince, and Hubert. Vince pulls his gun out, ready to shoot this officer. <laughs> Hubert pushes him away, and then he decks the, the policeman, and then they run away. And then immediately after, Vince is, like, gassing up Hubert. Like, he just won a championship fight because uh, Hubert's a boxer, as yeah. you find out in the beginning of the film. And... <laughs> and he and he's like Vince is like saying, "Oh, if he wasn't there, I would have sh- I would have cold I would have shot the, the police officer and stuff like this." And you know, you know that obviously the more you the more you see Vince, you learn that he's obviously he obviously was not going to kill him. Oh yeah, he obviously was not going to shoot the police officer. Definitely not. No, he hesitated. I mean, even in the moment, he wait he hesitated. If he was actually going to do it, he would have shot him immediately, but he didn't. Exactly. So that that was also a pretty like poignant uh, moment too. Um but yeah, the the dream like imaginary sequence too was was very interesting um scared, to say the least. Scared the crap out of me. Really? Really. It, it, oh, it caught me by surprise. I okay. was not expecting it. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, cuz yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it was like very like out of uh, super stylized. Yeah, because the this he, police officer just like flew back. He shatters a massive window behind him. <laughs> it's yeah. like he was lifted up and thrown. Yeah, yeah. He flew back like at least five feet. Yeah, yeah. Which is again, it's cinematic. Yes, it's what happens to the people in the movies. Exactly. It's sensationalized, as you as you say. Um. But uh, yeah, that. Uh, and also, there was another sequence when they're in the bathroom in Paris. Yes. And this this sequence always, this one always gets me um, very, it gets me thinking a lot about sort of not only the themes of the film, but just kind of some of the, uh, I guess, outward uh, factors that influence some of these themes, yeah, uh, of violence, hate, and, and whatnot. Uh, so the so we got Hubert, Vince, and Saeed in the bathroom. In a bathroom, they're like arguing. So Vince and Hubert starts arg- start arguing, right? And Vince goes off about the system, this this uh, inst- the you know these institutions in place where they basically paint. Uh, minorities in a corner, the impoverished in a corner where they can't get out of it, and the only way to solve any problems is to respond with violence. So he's specifically talking about if Abdel dies, I the only way to properly respond is to kill a police op- police officer. And so Hubert, who is on the other end of the spectrum. Where he agree he he somewhat agrees with what Vince is saying uh, under the surface, however, the way to respond he disagrees with. Right, and he says that if you kill a police officer, what is that going to change? What what will change from uh, one one officer being dead versus a friend dead? Right, yeah. if you kill one, he like he says, you kill one, you can't blow them all away, right? Um, and he goes on to this this little tirade about hate breeds hate, 
Um, and this is this is a this is a theme that I I really uh, resonate with with what Hubert kind of stands for his philosophy on this whole matter, and I think he he I think his character really is kind of the most he's definitely the most level headed of the three one thousand percent, um, and he he knows he recognizes the plight. Uh, not only that that he has to go through, but also his 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 friends and whatnot, his family has to go through. Because you see in the earlier in the film when he's with, he's at his apartment with his mom and his sister, uh, he was talking about they were ta- him and his mother were talking about the riots that happened the, the night before, and he had a boxing gym that was basically burned into flames, yep. was destroyed. And Saeed, and well, not Saeed, Hubert was talking to his mom, and he, he was telling he was telling her that he thinks that Vince was a part of the the torching up of his gym, of his boxing gym. And he was he was just so you could tell, like he was just so frustrated, so tired of being there. He just pleaded, he just like, I cannot be here anymore. We need to leave the projects. I need to get out of here. And Hubert is very influenced by billboards that he sees all around. He's got at least two separate moments where he is looking out at Paris mm-hmm. in France, and he sees these billboards yeah. that say, the world is yours. yours. Yes. It's this symbol of possibility. It's escape. You can, you can be anything. You have the power to make this world yours. You have the power to do what you want to do. Mm-hmm. And he is... He's the only one to really have a moment with those images, with that thought of possibility. He's the only one to talk about, you know, escape and moving out. Yeah. And so that's that's I think that's another added layer in where he's talking about. If if I end up in prison for something, he can't escape. The world is no, no longer his. He's stuck. Right. Right. There is the only way to get out is to keep moving forward. Exactly. Exactly. And uh and to my point with the whole argument that Hubert and Vince had in the bathroom. Um so they had that argument and Hubert makes great points um in rebuttal to what Vince had to say. And then out of nowhere this this small dude who was in the stall comes out and he starts going on this on this little <laughs> diatribe about his experience in the in Siberia and the gulags or the yeah. work camps um during World War Two, I presume. And he talks about this his experience on the train, the cattle cars that he was on, and how they, you know, they were all like it was cold, they all had to huddle up together. But he starts talking about this guy he na- he knew, um, Grunvalsky. I think was it was his name. I think right, Grunvalsky. Yeah. And he talks about when they he was very he was a very shy dude. He he was very meek. I guess is the way he described him. Um, and you know when the when the train had to stop to get water for for the train. That was when the time that they had to go to the bathroom, or as he put it, take a take a. I can't Expletive. say it. Yes, <laughs> to go poop essentially. And 
he says that Grimalski was uncomfortable being around all these people like doing that. So he went to the bushes by himself to do it. And the train starts moving. Yeah. And as he said, the train doesn't stop for anybody. It doesn't wait for anyone. Right. And so Grimalski is like, okay, I got to hurry up. And so he starts running to catch up to the train. And he gets close to reach out to this man's hand who's describing the story, who's telling the story to, to get back on the train. And when he does that, his pants fall down. So he, he loses he loses time to to catch back up. And so he has to pull him back up to run back and then reach out. But then when he reaches out, his pants fall down. And it's the cycle that never ends. And he doesn't make the train. And then he freezes to death. And that was the end of the story. Yeah. And <laughs> I I was, when I saw that for the first time a couple years ago, I was a bit befuddled, <laughs> to say the least. <laughs> I was like, word. I was like, hmm, what does this mean? That was what I was thinking. Mm-hmm. That was that was what that was my initial thought. Okay, what does this mean? What is Kasavitz trying to say with this little monologue here? Um, I mean, still to this day, I don't know, but I'm definitely closer to an interpretation. Mm-hmm. Um, but what, what what about you? Before I get into that, what what do you think? Well, I mean, to start to take it in a in a little bit of a more literal sense, um, I something that I picked up on was it's a little bit of a foreshadowing. He talks about basically they missed the train. His Grunbalski missed the train, and then died. Mm-hmm. It, later in the film about. I think sequentially it's about four hours later. Saeed and Hubert miss the last train heading back home. They're left alone on the streets. They have to walk back. If they catch that train, the back third of the film doesn't happen, and Vin doesn't end up dead. Yeah. But he does. Yeah. They miss the train. That's good foreshadowing. He ends up dead. Yeah. But if if we want to look at it on an – on a symbolic level, I'm not sure either. Frankly, I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of Kasovitz uses a ton of little anecdotes, kind of just monologues, little stories throughout the the film that basically are they're supposed to be setting up themes. They're setting up themes. They're setting up either foreshadowing yep. or symbols mm-hmm. that we're going to see, and. I notice them. I just I, I can't tell what they mean. The, there's an opening monologue that talks about somebody falling from a great height. Yes, yeah. And he says to himself, "So far, so good. So far, so, so good." good. Yeah. Every story that he falls, he says it again because falling is the easy part. It's about how, how you land. How you land is what's important. He's just got to land. That's all he's got to do. Um. There's a section early in the film where there's a young boy mm-hmm. talking to the three about this thing he saw on television, this prank show, the candid camera. And oh, yeah. They're setting yeah. up to like prank this famous actor, <laughs> and he can't recall the name of the actor. Yeah, he can't. Which 
is interesting enough, but like he said it was like super famous, but I don't know who he is. And <laughs> he's setting this up. He's like, oh, he's like, I know they're going to they're going to try and get me here. So I got to be really on edge. And this actor goes around the back. He comes in the back way. Mm-hmm. He's prepared. He thinks that anything could be this prank. And this guy just shows up asking ask him for an autograph. And he goes off. Yeah, he flips out. He flips out on this guy, and the camera people have to break him up because that wasn't part of the bit. Yeah, and they ne- they didn't. He said he they didn't have anything planned. Yeah, they were just filming him losing his mind. Yeah, <laughs> like psychological torment, basically. Yeah, and the they they ask, hey, what happened next? Oh, that was it. That's all. That's all it was. <laughs> that was it, all it was. They say all that's all it was. Yeah, and. uh yeah, I don't that that I really didn't think about too much. I just thought that was a moment where they were just wasting time. They were just talking about BS. They were just BSing. They were just wasting time just to waste time because they didn't have anything to do. That's what I always thought that was. That little moment was about. I don't. I didn't think there was anything beyond that. But maybe there is. There probably is. I mean, there definitely is. The way the way I I always treat it is, you know, you've got to have each scene, each line. It's got to be there for a. Purpose. Yeah, no, there is. Yes, and yes. A, a lot, a lot. So many lines of a script are characterization. You're just finding out more about a character. You're finding yeah. out who these people are, what they believe in, what they've done in the past, what they want to do in the future. Mm-hmm. A lot, so many lines in a play script or a film or a television show are characterization. You're finding out more. Yeah. Some are about, you know, the plot. Some are about the symbols. Some are about, you know, things going on in the moment but you don't include a, like a three minute monologue well for nothing well no in no a no 90 minute movie. i thought no i didn't think it was nothing <laughs> in that way i think it was nothing because like time is a theme yeah so i okay. thought it was like wasting time like the characters themselves were just wasting time just you. for the sake of wasting time i didn't think it was like the cost of each was like okay we're just gonna put this in here for the <laughs> hell of it <laughs> I didn't. I didn't think it like that. I I wouldn't. I wasn't seeing it like that in that sense. But uh, yeah. But I think back to the Grunwalski segment. Yeah. Um, to me, the way I see it, I think it's kind of a little, co- like commentary on progress, like societal progress, and how tough it can be, or maybe like the cycle of poverty or something like that. You have to let yourself be exposed in order to catch the train. <laughs> Maybe, because I, I don't know in that in that particular story. Because I think like I'm my thinking is that okay. Maybe you just put your pants on and then you sprint. You sprint to catch the train, or or you just take your pants off and then you go and run. But with Grunwalski, that's not an option. And that isn't an he's, option. He's stuck. And he's weighing these two options exactly equally. Mm-hmm. Life in a gulag versus freezing to death. He, You can choose life on a gulag, but you maybe expose yourself in front of your fellow prisoners. Or freeze to death in Siberia alone. And yeah, he is weighing yeah. them equally. Yeah, both options are terrible. Correct. To Yeah, to him at least. But to me, I would feel like... You know, I would always err on the side of life. Right. And the fact that he is unable to make up his mind between life and death, or I should say, 
torture and death. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's interesting. He can't. He can't choose. The train basically chooses for him. Yeah, sort of like, um, sort of like Vince in a way. He he thinks he has autonomy, or I should say, all three characters they think they have autonomy in some sense. Maybe Hubert less so, because he recognizes that he's kind of stuck, mm-hmm. and he he knows that he, he knows what he wants. He knows what he wants to do. He wants to get out. He wants to leave that that uh, that life of because he he's a drug dealer. He deals drugs to make money because there's nothing else to do, right? Um, he literally lost his boxing gym, so he can't train anymore. Um, and so his life, in the moment that we see it, is in shambles, essentially. Um, all he has is his friends and his family and nothing else. Um, and he has a brother who's in prison, Yes. too. And he points to this... To this thing where he he compares his brother Max, uh, to, and I'm funny, <laughs> yeah, his brother Max to to Vince, and he sees Vince losing his mind. He sees Vince succumbing to this violence, to this like just very uh, brutalistic mindset of yeah. like I got, I have to, I have to keep this a tough persona up by doing very uh violent action mm-hmm. whether it be by killing a police officer or you know robbing a store or whatever you know whatever it has to, whatever it is Hugh, uh Vince and Saeed I think are the two people that really buy into this um the culture of being in the projects I feels like that's it feels like they've bought into this kind of we're here let's just Let's just do as everyone does. And Hubert Hubert is the one who does not. There's the scene at the grocery store. Mm-hmm. Um, Vince wants to is trying to purchase peppers. Yeah, doesn't have enough money, so he has to you know switch his purchase around. He's trying to berate the shop the <laughs> yeah. old shopkeeper into giving him yeah. the peppers for like on a discount, half, basically half price. Yeah. Um, and he's he, it won't work. And Saeed is just around the corner, and he steals stealing, some candies. Yeah, steals He's the candies. two stealing candies. Yeah. I mean, everybody's got their, you could say, you know, your immorality. Vince's fascination with the violence. Saeed's little little thievery there. Saeed is going on about, you know, uh, in the movies, there's a line before somebody gets killed. And he's like, oh, what a great line that is. That's a fantastic line. I think he does it <laughs> once at the beginning and once at the end. But... Hubert is the one who uh, he just he sure he's dealing drugs to make money, which yeah. you know obviously isn't great. But he has to. He has no he, choice. Exactly. He has no choice. He's not doing it for the thrill of it. He doesn't. Saeed doesn't need these two pieces of candy. He just takes them because he can. Right. Yeah, uh, there was also another sequence in the film when they go to see Darty. He's like the fence at the projects, one of the fences there. And his car was was destroyed by the rioters. Um, and they kind of make fun of him for it. They tease him for yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, and um, and they and that showcases kind of their uh, what's the word? The they're not well ignorance, but also cavalier attitude. Uh, you think, or something? 
like they're out of touch. Yeah, they're, they're out of touch. He says he can't work because his car's been torched. Right, he and yeah, yeah, and they don't care. No, they're just laughing at him, and, and yeah, they're just basically teasing the guy. Um, I mean, you got Saeed, who's also he takes cookies. Yeah, yeah, he takes he takes the cookies from from. <laughs> from I, uh from Darty. I didn't see that. Yeah, look, yeah, there's a cookie canister that he takes. <laughs> um uh yeah, and then cuz yeah, it's Yeah, so they start making fun of his car and it's torched and they're whatnot. They're just basically bullying the poor guy. And they don't realize that the car allows that 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 car is kind of a mode of economic opportunity in a way. Yeah. Um, I mean, maybe not so not so as much for us in the states, considering uh, public transportation is terrible out here, and we don't <laughs> have much of it. So it's even harder for uh, people, uh, poor poor Americans, to actually get somewhere uh, economically. Oh no, Vince takes the cookies. My bad. Not Saeed. I thought it was Saeed. It was Vince. But, um, I, um, yes, but, but, uh, to Darty, he's like losing his mind. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's like, yeah, that car was all I had. If you want to, if you want to point, I mean, he says my car was, was burnt up. Your buddies did that. They say, so what? But if you want to point to another thing, that's his car. He owns that car. Right. There's a scene later on. Vin, Saeed, Hubert, they don't have one. They don't have they one. They have to hotwire. They break they, in. Yeah, and that's right. They, they, they get a car. Tr- tr- yeah, steal one. And that's their mode out. And so, you know, if you – Darty is, like, at that higher point mm-hmm. where he's he's able to go to work. He's able yeah. to support, try and support himself, try and make a better life for himself. Yeah. And his mode of doing that was just incinerated. Yeah. And they don't care. And I also think this is also another good point, a uh, bit of commentary here on behalf of Kasavitz about, like, riots and stuff. You know, these rioters, they're rioting in their own neighborhood. They're rioting in their own community. Yeah. And I'm like, I just thought, I thought about that. I'm like, if you're going to riot, riot in a community that you don't live in, that you're not, a fa- you, you don't, you're not dwelling in. Because you're only negatively affecting yourself in the se- in that yeah. in that sense, um, and it's you know like with uh, with Hubert's gym, it gets torched up by the rioters, and he's like, "What did he do? He didn't do anything, right?" And he lost his, his he lost his gym, and he didn't do anything. He's a right. part of the community. He's like, a part, you know, exactly. Um, and it's like it's so it's so tragic at that in in that sense where it's like you get these people who agree they agree that they both they all don't like the police they all agree on that yet it, yet they are actively harming themselves um yeah i mean in the beginning of the footage uh or the intro credits i mean i the riots seem like they are happening actually in paris itself mm-hmm but uh, I mean, obviously, in the film and pro- in real life as well, like these riots also affect their own communities. It's a suburb. It's a borough. It's, yeah, yeah. It's separated pretty firmly, just as there's separation in any city. Right. I mean, back home, there's separation. You can tell there's different sections of where you know people live. You can you can tell. Yes. Yes. But if I can, 
hop in here. There's a f two things I wanted to pick out specifically. Mm. The first being the usage of what it, what what is what does Wikipedia call it? Dramatic principle. Yes. A story element called Chekhov's gun. Okay. So this is based off of um, a Russian playwright, Anton Chekhov. Mm -hmm. Really pretty depressing guy. Um, but in one of his plays, The Cherry Orchard, um, he's got two guns, two rifles mm -hmm. loaded on stage that are never fired throughout the show. And so basically it, it that's supposed to tie into the theme of the play, okay. apparently, which is it's incomplete action. It's failing to follow through. Mm -hmm. But the way that that's kind of been colloquialized, uh, the way that it's been adapted for a lot of you know modern cinema, if you're going to introduce a piece of equipment or a uh, a prop, if you're going to introduce something, you then have to use it. If, like, let's say for example, let's go to kids' television. Have you watched an episode of Mickey Mouse Clubhouse? <laughs> Yes, I have. When you I know, was a kid, yeah. You know how when uh, at the beginning of the journey, they're all they're always given some mystery, uh, the mouseka tools. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're 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 surprise tools that'll help us later. That's the perfect use of Chekhov's gun, which is so funny because it's you know Mickey Mouse, but <laughs> they always use every single one of the tools that they're given. Okay, and they use it within the span of one episode. There's mm -hmm. no continuity you feel that kind of resolution so for example right. if you're right. presented with a gun in act one you have to use it in act three or something like that okay uh james bond he gets a special gadget at the beginning of the movie he's going to use it at some point mm. it's uh, okay it's sort of this if you're introducing information or a prop something that can be actionable mm -hmm. you have to then use it Vince's gun is introduced. I mean, very, or very, very early. I was my ears picked up immediately because they say on the news that a police, uh, one of the police officers' firearm has been lost. Yeah, missing. Yeah, and they reiterate that several times. Mm -hmm. Police officer's gun's been lost. Police officer's gun's been lost. I was frankly expecting it to play a bigger role than it did. Because they hit on that really, really hard. But the big thing is that Vince's gun. Vince has got a gun. Which uh, he told yeah, that's the policeman's he, officer uh police guns. Uh, so that's it? Gun. Oh. I did not make that connection. Yeah, that was yeah, the that's gun the, that's the, the, officer's the gun? Were, Yeah, the gun that he had was the gun f from that police officer. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay, that makes a lot lot of sense. Yeah. And but the thing is, it never fires. There's even a scene no. at the guy's house where Saeed's trying to collect his money. The the, the dude's name is Asterix. Asterix. They call him Snoopy. That's what I remember. Oh about. well, I'm looking at Snoopy on the uh well on the subtitles on the Criterion Channel. It says Asterix. Oh, I guess I guess in this because they call him they call him Asterix oh. in the film. They say it. They say Asterix ah. or Asterix. But yeah. Anyways, but. He he basically plays Russian roulette with Vince. Yeah, and we don't know this until afterwards. But he palms palms the bullet, but he's trying to convince Vince to use the gun. Yeah, to shoot it right. 
and he refuses. Another another example of Vince not really into the whole violence aspect, just into the aesthetic of it. Right. But also, he doesn't use the gun. The gun is not used ever. at all. And the only point, maybe at the end though, the only point where it's maybe used is where I, I wanted to go for my second, the second little piece was the ending of the film. Mm-hmm. First piece that I want to bring up: the officer that unintentionally kills Vins has got a jacket on. This is Notre Dame. Notre Dame, yeah, Notre Dame, yeah. Which, for those that don't know, is an incredibly large, incredibly famous cathedral in. The center of Paris. Right. I've been there. Really? Yeah, I've been there. Yeah. Beautiful. I've, I've heard it's gorgeous. I mean, but it's, you know, a, uh, something that's really, really synonymous with Catholicism, mm-hmm. religion, yeah, pure action. And to have that kind of unintentional action, no matter if it's unintentional or not, to be waving your gun in a face while having that kind of merchandise on you chilling yeah yeah i mean and he's a police officer too so there's that aspect as well yeah um because oh sorry no what were you saying what were you saying i was gonna say just the ending shot of the film but if you were gonna the i guess the ending piece is the hubert echoes the monologue from the beginning Mm -hmm. about he changes it slightly. He says it's about a society that's falling. And you're saying it's so far so good. So far so good. It's not about how you fall that matters. It's about how you land. It, the camera moves through the exchanged firearms. So Hubert's got his uh, got Vince's gun pointed at the officer Notre Dame. The officer has his gun pointed at Hubert. They're they're in this showdown. It moves through the guns. Into the face of Saeed, who's behind, who's watching this happen, who's seen his one friend get killed and could very likely see his second friend get killed. Get killed yeah. It blacks out, and then we hear a gunshot. Yeah. And that is so perfectly chilling because you don't know who fired. Yeah, you don't. You don't know. Yeah, and it's it's so... It's such a... It's such a tragic like bookend to their story. Yeah. Um cuz you don't I feel like the the exclusion of seeing what actually happened of like who was killed, was it the police officer or was it who bearer? I think that kind of also is kind of showcases the lack of care uh of kind of society outside of the the projects like who cares they don't care about police violence when it's not to someone uh i guess is white i suppose you, you could say that um i mean because wh- who were the people that were writing at the beginning it was obviously the the people from the projects it was young young people that were directly affected by this or are directly affected by this in their daily lives yeah um so i think that was also a bit of a i think a, a callback to that um cuz right. like you know who no no it'll happen it'll be tragic but within the next week 
it's going to be uh, back to business as usual. To call back to your statement of Hubert's berating of Vins in the bathroom. Right. Hate breeds hate. Yeah. If you if you kill one police officer, who's going to care? Who's going to notice? It. You could almost take the attitude of, it doesn't matter who dies. Is if one police officer goes down, he'll be replaced. It'll be unfortunate, and but people will move on. If if Hubert is the one who is killed, it's Saeed's friend. He'll be upset. But how many people are truly affect have been truly affected by him in the community? Not not a ton. It doesn't seem. So right. Right. It gets to the point where it's just kind of senseless violence. It won't affect what's going on. And you know you've got this depressing, depressing thought of. It's just continued violence. Hate will breed hate. And the opening credits of these riots, you've got a reggae song playing over the top of it. Yeah, Bob Marley. Uh, Bob Marley track. Um, but, yeah, I, th- I mean, I think, I think, I, I mean, I love the film. I love every, every aspect of it. I think it's a masterpiece. Um in every sense of the word the it's a beautiful film like in terms of its looks the cinematography is wonderful there's amazing shots in here uh it was originally shot in color then it was changed to black and white in post production uh the performances are fantastic um the writing is wonderful what does that say what does that say Oh, okay. Jojo Rabbit next week? Perhaps, yeah. Perhaps. We could do that. We could do that. Just thought we maybe want to say what we're doing next week. So if anybody's listening and wants to, you know, understand a little bit more what we're talking about, we could tell them what movie is coming up. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We didn't really talk about that. Um, but yeah, we can do that for next week for sure. Oh, yeah. Okay, 100%. We'll do that for next week. So Jojo Rabbit directed by Taika Watiti. Bingo. And uh, yeah, we'll see that. We'll talk about that next week. But, uh, yeah, just final thoughts on the film before we got to go here in a minute. It was – it's really, really excellent. It's very well done. The ticking clock is something that kind of – it keeps you keeps you engaged. You're just sort of like, oh, my goodness, this is one day. It kind of makes me think uh, – uh, imagine, gosh, what, what must the rest of the day be like? What must the rest of the – their lives be? be like it's it's unquestionably a great film it's not one of my favorites i gotta say but uh-huh. there's there's definitely a distinction to be made because it is very well done yes yes i wholeheartedly agree uh so this has been the cinematic odyssey with myself tristan and max here uh tune in next week when we talk about jojo rabbit and uh, thank you for tuning in and listening for those that have been uh, over the course of this past hour. Um, I'm going to try and get this on streaming platforms because I would love to do that. Uh, so people that missed it can, or if you want to re-listen to it, definitely can. So I'm going to uh, try to see to make that happen. Um, but yeah, thanks for tuning in. This has been the Cinematic Odyssey here on U92 The Moose. This is WWVU FM Morgantown 91.7. FM. <laughs>